0: Hello and welcome to Growth Mindset Language Learning Podcast with Kasia where I show you how the way you perceive your intelligence affects your ability to learn a language and where I emphasize the importance of maintaining growth mindset in order to progress in your language skills. I am an English teacher by profession but I'm also a lifelong language learner. Tips I share in my podcast come from both my teachers and my learners perspective. Full texts of each of my podcasts Are published on my website www.teach-learn-love.com. You can ask questions and post comments through my contact page there. Today we will talk about language and culture, how they affect each other, what role the culture should play in language teaching and learning, um, and how this topic relates. To growth mindsets for both teachers and students. Recently, I was invited to speak to an English Club audience here in Brazzaville on the subject of, um, yes, you guessed it, <laughs> growth mindsets in language learning. I always uh, like my presentations to be interactive, and this one was no exception. So as a result, I received many interesting questions from English teachers uh, here in Brazzaville and also in uh, Pont Noir, as uh, the number of um, English clubs here in Brazzaville is, is multiple um, in both cities. One question particularly stuck in my mind, and that was, should language teachers also teach culture? I found this question uh, really, really interesting and definitely worthy of a separate uh, podcast episode. So in this episode, I will uh, be giving examples from learning English, but they easy easily apply to teaching and, and learning any other language. Um, just for the purpose of communication, I just pick one language. It's easier to speak about it that way. So I started thinking about the iceberg concept of culture that I learned long time ago um, and how majority of culture is like an iceberg, um, some of it is above the surface, but most of it is below. So you may not be aware of the hidden aspects of culture unless you are friends with someone from that culture or you lived in that country. And just to give you an example, uh, the the surface culture, the the culture that's visible um, above the ground, so-called, that would include food that people eat in that country, clothing they wear, um, the way of dancing they do, maybe celebrations, etc. But then there's also the deep culture, the facial expressions, the gestures, relationship to animals. Um, I don't know, eye contact, the treatment of the teacher, and then even deeper, you know, concepts of cleanliness and social interactions and um, ideals for child rearing and tempo of work and uh, what it means to be married and so on, right? Right. So here's one small example of cultural interaction from my expat life, just to give you an example how much of that culture is actually hidden, like the iceberg. Um, I have lived in four African countries uh, so far, uh, Ghana, Uganda, Kenya, and Congo. And in every single one of them, when you go to the restaurant and finish your meal, um, you have to ask for a bill. Um, originally, it was a bit annoying, uh, the bill would not be automatically delivered to your table and a lot of Westerners are very, very upset by this. Um, they're not, they're, they're not um, asking why, they're not, they're not trying, they're just judging this cultural setting by Western standards, where once the waiter sees that you're finished, you know, they, they will automatically bring you the bill. Now, this is also the customer's expectation in those Western uh, cultures and the waiter knows it. So this is a non-verbal kind of a cultural convention that is non-verbally communicated between the waiter and the customer. The assumption is that you're done, you want to leave as soon as as possible. Now in Africa, uh, the assumption is it would be rude to give you the bill if you do not ask for it. You might not be ready, you might still be chatting, Uh, delivering that bill would be equivalent to basically telling you that it's time to leave. Um, So is one way better than the other? Absolutely not. It's just different. And it's up to you to learn those cultural differences, to understand each other better, and to be more proficient intercultural communicator. And the idea of intercultural communications is not to make everyone the same or judge which way of doing things is better. It is to educate, better understand, to eliminate the number of intercultural misunderstanding and annoyances, like like the one that I just gave you an example of. It is often difficult to accept someone else's ways as valid because our own cultural ways are so ingrained in us. And being aware of those and um, comparing them to another setting is incredibly helpful, not only to becoming culturally more adept, but also Um, to be a more proficient um, language communicator. Culture includes all things that make up our daily lives. Um, Social relationships, um, religion, values, clothes, food, uh, art, beliefs, entertainment, housing, work, um, different laws, uh, family, education, child rearing, many, many, many other things. Um, So how do language and culture affect each other? Well, first of all, language reflects culture. When you are learning a new language, you're exposed to new cultural, social, and literally references. Our lives are rooted in culture and we use language to describe our common experiences. We describe what we see, the customs we observe, the food we eat, um, the ideas we have or are exposed to, um, etc. There are bound to be words and concepts in a target language, that we are not familiar with, target language meaning the language that we're learning, that we are not familiar with because we do not have those same customs and traditions and the same reference point. There might not be words for certain objects or feelings. um, So in order to learn those, we need to first learn the concepts that they refer to and go deep with those concepts. So just just to give you an example again, uh, think of an American lunchbox. Lunchbox is a container for your lunch that you bring with you to work or to school, but it is much more than that. It is a cultural phenomenon and it is part of the world in which people, you know, work for eight hours with an hour break for lunch. Um, It is part of the world where uh, people eat the midday meal um, at work, often in solitude or at their desks. If you don't have a lunchbox and don't have uh, lunch that you brought from home you will most probably have to uh, do a takeout or go to lunch um, uh, during your work hours uh, therefore a lunch box evokes certain cultural associations now growing up in poland we ate breakfast at home early in the morning and then carried a sandwich to school or to work and then when we got home around 2 or 3 p.m we ate dinner in the evening uh, there was time to to gather around uh, a small a small supper so Basically, our second breakfast, <laughs> I feel a bit like a like a hobbit here, but our second breakfast, uh, the meal that we brought with us to work or to school was wrapped in foil or paper. It wasn't given much thought. It was not carried in a special box. It wasn't leftovers from the day before that needed to be heated up. It was basically sustenance, not so much for um, for for the social aspect of it or for having a nutritious meal but for like short break from work or school. My father never had a lunch break. He worked from 6 a.m. until 2 p.m. And then when he got home, we had a big family meal around 2.30. So in Polish, there was no word for a lunchbox. We didn't need one, right? So that's one example. Um, So in addition to language reflecting the culture, it also shapes our reality and it shapes the culture that it's rooted in. Um, and it gives meanings to experiences, to our values, to beliefs and, and behaviors. So when, when a person from the U.S. hears lunchbox, they, they exactly know what it means. Um, they know the connotations, right? The, the, the word carries with it all of the connotations that I mentioned. They understand uh, way more than just a box to carry your food, right? And this is the, the verbal, non-verbal aspects and how language shapes our cultural reality. Uh, We use the language to name the objects, and then those objects, their names, carry meaning. So eventually, saying the name brings up unconsciously all of the other cultural and social connotations of that word. Uh, Common values are reflected in a way uh, members of a group use the language, what they choose to say and not to say, and how they say it. And last but not least, language is also a symbol of of your identity, of your cultural reality and identity. It is a system of signs that have cultural value. Um, This is visible not only amongst various nationalities, but also amongst um, uh, social groups. Uh, For example, you know, like the teenage talk or professional jargon, etc. This is the examples of how people develop various manners of speaking to signify the belonging to a certain group. Um, And if you're not proficient in those systems, then you remain the outsider. The the theory of linguistic relativity claims that different people speak differently because they think differently and they think differently because their language offers them um, different ways of expressing the world around them. Um, I'm not 100 percent sure whether I buy you know, 100% into this, this theory, but there's definitely something to it. Um, in other words, the structure of the language influences to a degree how we think and behave. I don't believe it's the only thing that influences it. And I don't believe that if you don't speak a certain language, you're not able to think and behave differently, that you can only think and behave within that certain culture. But there is definitely um, influencing going on there. So, we clearly see that the language and culture cannot, under any circumstances, be separated. Since language and culture are so codependent on each other, I absolutely believe that, as a teacher, you have an obligation to serve as a guide to the culture and teach it to the best of your ability. The ultimate goal of a language teacher is to teach your students to use the language in a new culture, to be competent participants in that culture. To do that, you yourself need to be knowledgeable in the cultural differences, be able to explain them as such with no judgment, and to teach your students how to use them, what they imply and what connotations they bring. So you need to make sure your students know especially if you're a teacher who is a native speaker of the language that you are educating them that you're pointing the differences that you're not converting them that you're not judging and you're not comparing the two cultures you are just making them aware of social conventions um, so they won't be misunderstood and your goal in this is is uh, uh, trifold the the first is to prevent your students from doing culturally inappropriate things which either they're not uh, uh, proficient um, culture, intercultural communicators, they they are bound to do. Um, It's to prevent them from being misunderstood and also to help them recognize the formal and informal social conventions. And I'm gonna give you an example for that last one. Um, Imagine a situation where an American says to you, let's get together sometime. That does not necessarily mean that the speaker is inviting the listener to a specific event. Um, I have encountered that many times when that phrase is used. A lot of times people from other cultures um, assume that they're being invited, they're expecting a phone call. They're even sometimes might be expecting that the person will invite them to a formal meal and pay for it. Um, but that's not what it means. Um, That phrase is basically a polite way of saying, I like you, I would not mind seeing you again, nothing more, right? So it's important to know those nuances, to to, to avoid those uh, misunderstandings. Um, If you are teaching your native language, you need to make every effort to get to know your students and explain your culture to them Not as a superior, but rather different from their own. Uh, Remember, you are the cultural guide. You're not a missionary. um, And you are just pointing out the differences. You are helping them be proficient and gain understanding. If you're teaching a language you're you're proficient in, but it's not your native language, then you need to make sure that you understand the culture that comes with it. In other words, you can't teach French if you don't know French culture. You can't teach English if you don't know um, American or British uh, culture. So you need to understand that culture and convey it to your students, explain it to them in a non-judgmental way. And last but not least, if you are a student, you have to to be open to new concepts and new meanings behind that non-verbal and verbal communication and be willing to consciously operate within that system, that new system of verbal and non-verbal clues. Um, This might be very unfamiliar, it might not be comfortable to begin with, um, but in order to reach a higher level of language proficiency, it is important that you are open to those differences. So today's tip, which comes almost at the end of of today's episode, um, that's tip number six, is be open to learning a new culture. And here's when the growth mindset comes in as well, because if you want to be open to learning a new culture, you need to show effort. You need to accept challenges and you need to admit that you do not have all the answers, that you're on the learning journey and that you're learning from your mistakes. Um, It takes effort to get to know the culture, especially if you have not lived in the target language country. As a teacher, you can always do research, check with native speakers, check with your friends from that country, etc. Um, But do make an effort to understand what you're teaching before you teach it. Do not judge, just do your research, compare, explain. Think of yourself as a cultural translator. If you are teaching your native language, then you need to make an effort to get to know your students and their cultures. So. If you do that, then you will be a better teacher for them. Um, there is a lot of different uh, uh, attitudes towards uh, time, towards eye contact, towards teachers. Um, and, and they differ greatly between cultures. So um, when you, even when you think about attitudes towards teacher, right? I have taught English to adults um, in the past who did not feel comfortable addressing me by my first name which in the U.S. is common, but in many other countries, it's not acceptable. As a matter of fact, it's unthinkable in certain countries because the teacher is a person who deserves the high level of respect. And addressing that that teacher, the person of authority by first name, is just not a social convention. Um some students in the past did not feel comfortable disagreeing with me again because of my position. And then um, my favorite is when um, occasionally I ask students what is their what are they their interests and, and what they would be like they would like to be learning. And then I see those blank stares because again the assumption is I am the professional, I am the teacher, I should know what I should be teaching, right? Whereas um, within the, the American system, responding to the needs of your students is something that's expected, right? So again, that those are cultural differences that you have to be uh, aware of. Um, all of uh, those examples, if left unexplained, can cause great misunderstandings. So I highly recommend you educate yourself, not only in your own culture, but also um, in your own culture, to a sense that sometimes because we are within that culture, even if you're a native speaker, sometimes you might not um, be ready or even notice certain cultural differences because you're part of that culture and it is so normal to you that you never had to explain it, but you will have to explain it to your students. So that's what I mean by educate yourself in your own culture. So do that and also educate yourself in the culture of your students. When you are learning an unfamiliar culture as a student or as a teacher, you need to be open to making mistakes and admitting that you yourself are on a learning journey. Keep an open mind. Many teachers of English have not lived in an English-speaking country and their knowledge of language is academic, right? They learned the culture from books and maybe occasional contact with native speakers. So it's important to admit that what you're teaching, you sometimes might not be 100% sure of the connotations. It's a learning process for you as well. There's nothing wrong with admitting that you are learning with your students. And also, you know, it is a challenge to teach something you don't quite understand. So some values might be different. Uh, many language schools employ native speakers for that very reason, if, if they have um, majority of their, of their teachers be, be uh, local staff. Um, native speakers might not be trained language teachers, but they bring that valuable um, cultural component to to learning uh, a language. Every student needs to be exposed to both the academic knowledge um, and also the cultural components. Um, I remember um, 20, 30 years ago, my husband taught English uh, when we lived in Poland, and I remember him teaching a lesson on small talk, something that many teachers at the time did not Think much of they didn't. They some of them probably were not even aware of it. No textbooks uh, talked about that at the time. Uh, But it is a skill. It's a cultural phenomenon. It's something that that needed to be taught. Um, Students needed to know what are the topics uh, which are socially acceptable to discuss with people that they just newly met. Um, And I believe that the lessons that he developed stayed as part of curriculum long time after we left Poland, because they were so hugely valuable. So remember, keep up your growth mindset, show effort. accept challenge, admit that you don't have all the answers, learn the culture of your students, and be proficient communicator and conveyor of values in your own culture. This is all for today, folks. You have been listening to episode 6 of Growth Mindsets in Language Learning podcast, where I talked about the relationship between language and culture, and emphasized the importance of teaching culture as part of teaching the language. Do you recall your own experiences when learning a language included learning a culture? Do you have stories of teaching culture and why it was important for your students? Post your comments on my website, teachlearnlove.com. If you like what you hear, click that subscribe button. This is Kasha Helping Travis. Join me next time for tip number seven.